Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and the Baron of Brewskis today. Super excited. We're going to dive into a little history of our Northwest brewing roots. Uh, there's a beer around here we call, mm-hmm, let's see if you can get that. Uh, there's, of course, uh, the brewing history in Washington State goes back about 100-some-plus years. Uh, it was a huge enterprise, um, numerous breweries from... All the way uh, to from the west coast, uh, the Pacific coast to uh, Spokane. Actually, this whole state had breweries, and uh, one of them we we saw in my neighborhood. I live in West Seattle, and there was one that stood like a beacon. It was kind of like the Batman light in some ways. It said, "Yes, just consume." Um, I'm talking about Rainier Brewery, and I have uh, a new friend. It's Kurt Stream. He is an author. And also worked his way into the industry. He's a field marketer for uh, Rainier Brewery, Rainier Brewing, and we're going to chat about the history and the special R Day, which uh, has t- took place a couple weeks ago. But uh, you know, I want to talk about it because they they really have a lot of fun and they have a special beer. And uh, it's I want to know about this history. It's so much going on in the world, and it's good to look back. So, Kurt Stream, welcome to Happy Hour. Hey, thanks for having me on. Pleasure to have you. So let's talk about. Uh, when did you first have a beer? Well, first of all, you're from Wisconsin. I'm from Wisconsin, so yeah, we, we got this good vibe going already. It's in our blood. We were uh, <laughs> at an early age. <laughs> BAC. Uh, well, of course, my first taste of beer was after I was 21 years really? of age. No, uh, oh, because yeah. it was. I went to Miller Brewing. I was 18. That's when the the drinking age. You could think you had three two beer back then or something. Yeah, yeah. They, I was 21 by the time I was yeah. old enough to revel in the uh, wonder that is beer, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, just being raised in Wisconsin, it's just kind of, you know, favorite. Their baseball team is called the Milwaukee Brewers, so it's it's in your blood. Well, you know where they came from, right? Seattle, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, raised there and uh, moved here to Seattle about uh, 12 years ago. All right. Well, what beer were you drinking in Wisconsin? Uh, high school, it was MGD with the, okay. the high school kids because that was about all, all we could uh, get at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and then... You graduate. So that too. was a that was a child of the '90s, I think. Middle Middle Genuine Draft was co- coming mm-hmm. out, yeah, in the '90s, and yeah, sponsoring NBA, and I remember all that stuff. Oh yeah, and then uh, we graduated to uh, Miller Lite as you get older, and then uh, Spotted Cow as uh, New Belgium as the kind of the craft era started oh, there in the uh, late '90s. Well, what are some of the local brews? I mean, obviously there was uh, Pabst and and Miller. Um, G. Hyman was there. Uh, but was was Line and Kugels a Wisconsin beer, or was that Minnesota? Or? No, yeah, that was uh, Northern Wisconsin. Northern so that Wisconsin. Was, uh, that was that was kind of a, a huge beer even before the craft boom. It was just a, a beer that was available everywhere. And if you go up in Northern Wisconsin, it was each bar had about eight of their taps and POS all over the bar. So it was it was a pretty big thing. Still my, is. My great grandfather owned a tavern in Milwaukee. And um, back in those days, the breweries almost owned the taverns, right? Because they wanted their people to—you could cash your checks at the tavern in those days and get your meal, and that's how people— No, they, they, they literally owned them. It was Tide Houses, so they would uh, pay to help them open, and they would just have to serve their beer. Yeah, 
Yep. So they had all the uh, um, allegiances for whether it was Pabst House or Schlitz or, or Miller at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cool. You know all this stuff. Well, let's talk about your book. How did you get into this idea? I'm going to write a book about. Yeah. Um, so I was. Uh, I wanted to get into the beer industry, but I couldn't really afford to start at the very bottom or an entry. Um, so I thought I would write a book on the history of beer in Seattle. So wait, you you didn't want to get a, a job that paid you $7 an hour. Instead, you started a job that paid you nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's a little <laughs> sexier, though, being an author, I guess. Exactly. So, Absolutely. Than um, a bottle washer. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I loved Rainier, and I would go online, and there'd just be little pockets of history, and it kind of it felt like a shame that uh, a brewery that meant so much to the city didn't have a, a single book dedicated to it or, or a substantial amount of text in a book. So I was uh, half buzzed three Rainiers in and just decided to fire off an email to a publisher, and they said yes. And Really? You had an idea and said, I want to write a book about the history of Rainier Brewing, and they said, okay, sounds good. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah. what, they they write you a check no, uh, in advance? No, no it, wasn't, it wasn't that great. But um, <laughs> So it took me two years, and... Um, it's it's a book on the whole history. Two years and how many beers? Countless, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah What's it called? It's called Brewing in Seattle. Brewing so in Seattle. It's uh, just on all the history of Rainier, or uh, all, excuse me, all the history of uh, breweries in Seattle, but since Rainier is such a big part of it, it's, it's mostly dedicated to 1888. 1878. 1878, yeah, because Rainier Club was founded in 1888. Oh, nice. All right. And why is Rainier Brew named Rainier? Uh, well, some people say it was named after the mountain but uh-huh. there's also others that claim the mountain was named after Rainier beer so I, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna That's decide right. who's right on yeah. that one the, the chicken or the egg in some cases yeah uh, named after Admiral Peter Rainier who was the commander of the blue in the great English Navy uh, Captain Peter Puget was running his boat around here and he's named that mountain in honor of the commander of the blue Admiral Peter Rainier well, that's a lot better explanation than I had. Isn't thought. it? Yeah, yeah nice. that's it. That's the one. I did some research. I was the awesome. Rainier Club because we made a um, special wine series called the uh, the Vessel Series of all his ships that he owned, or he owned, he commanded, and it's pretty cool. Um, so how how big is this book? Are there photos? Are there, is it online? And uh, who's got it? Well, it came out uh, in 2012, so it's been a little while. Um by Arcadia Publishing, so you can find it uh, on Amazon or uh, local bookstores, I guess. Um, yeah, how many pages? Uh, One sixty-three. Yeah. So it's it's mainly just uh, a lot of research and photos, and I kind of tell the the history through photos. So fun! And so this this book was uh, well received. Um, and it came out before my show, so I certainly didn't get a PR notice on it. But uh, this uh, launched you into an opportunity to get into the beverage industry, right? It did, yeah. Um, then uh, after my book came out, an opening for uh, a distributor came up, uh, the distributor that actually sells Rainier. And I was able to get an interview. And on the interview, I just put my book down and said I literally wrote the book on the history of beer in Seattle, and I'd like to sell beer for you. And it worked. Excellent. They bought it. All right. Well, congratulations. And uh, now your your full position is field marketing for Rainier. This is your... Yep. yep. All right. I worked for the distributor for uh, two and a half years, and then uh, a position with Rainier opened up. Went to the supplier side. Right. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, I 
pretty much laid my book down again and said I wrote the book on the history of Rainier and I want to sell Rainier. All right. Well, that's, that's working so really well for you. It's two planets. It's been pretty great. Congratulations. Pretty Speaking with Kurt Stream, who's the author of Brewing in Seattle and also the field marketing manager for Rainier Brewer here in Seattle. Um, well, let's talk about some of the history. We said 1878 was the founding year of Rainier Brewery. Was it at the original site there? Or was it in Georgetown? It was in Georgetown. Um, back then, uh, the landscape of breweries uh, across the country, the, each town had a handful of them. There was not really any huge behemoths. And in 1878, um, three of the bigger ones in Seattle at the time, there was uh, probably about 10 breweries. Three of them merged to form the Seattle Brewing and Malting Company. And then the first beer that they put out was Rainier. Wow. And do they? Do you think that recipe has remained the same? I mean, obviously it's water, hops, barley, yeast, but is the specific recipe for the type of hops? I mean, has it changed a bit? Perhaps global warming or climate change has changed, or different farm sources, or has that Yakima hop always been the same? I'm sure they've always used Yakima hops, but I think just the whole profile of beer in general has changed. So I'm sure the the very first Rainier was probably little uh, heavier, a little stronger. Really? You think so? I think so, yeah. Interesting. I mean, beers didn't really start getting, light beers or yellow beers, as, as it's known, didn't really start to get that way till after, a uh, little before World War I, um, or after World War One. And that uh, was based on grain shortages, right? Or wasn't it just a, a yeah, supply to, I mean... Grain shortages, and then uh, all the soldiers were coming back home, and they were kind of used to the lighter beers in the uh, Europe. That's right. So they had a taste for it when they came back, and the breweries kind of adjusted to that. Interesting. Well, that's pretty cool. So um, the first beer, have you, I mean, how many beers, how many expressions of Rainier are there? Uh, let's see. I know that there recently there was, uh, we talk about the, the Rainier Fresh label. We've got, there was a Rainier Light at one point. There mm. was a Rainier Ale that I remember, which was the Green Death, I think we called that's it right. back in the day. <laughs> Um, and then you there's a couple there's a new fruit flavor I think or a shandy or a yeah we uh, came out with uh, a Rainier Radler Radler yeah that's right and then uh, we just came out with our Rainier PCT um, IPA so it's a session IPA that is for the uh, Pacific Crest Trail oh uh, right Pacific Crest Trail yeah and uh, part of the proceeds that go right back to them for their uh, 50th anniversary. So when I said shandy uh, and Radler, the difference is the style, the type of juice, or is it a fruit, or is it a just a, a your English thing versus yeah, German, Belgium, or something? It's basically the same thing. I see. Just depending on if you want to call it a shandy or Radler. Got it. Well, Radler sounds cooler than yeah. I'll have a shandy. <laughs> I remember I was in England having <laughs> shandy was seven up in beer. Like oh yeah, well, it's kind of I guess so. No, I'll take the beer. Shandy sounds like a little hot. That I'm going to go in or something. Like that. <laughs> Shanty Town, which we had plenty of, and uh, interesting. So Seattle Brewing. When did Seattle uh, Rainier or Seattle Brewing move to this that old building there on uh, Airport Way? Uh, so by uh, right before, or was that the next building? I don't know. <clears throat> um, well, that I guess by the 1920s or, or late teens, um, Rainier was the sixth largest brewery in the country. And I believe it was eighteen or nineteen fifteen. Um, prohibition was to hit Washington State, and back then it, it didn't hit the whole country at one time. It was just individual states were hitting it. So Rainier packed up and moved to San Francisco, uh, where they thought Prohibition would never hit, mm. um, and did eventually hit two years later. Um, so then for 
a while. Uh, they just made uh, non-alcoholic juices and, and sodas and everything. And uh, after Prohibition, uh, Emil Sick came along. Oh, yeah, Sick. Yeah, it's a pretty familiar name. Um, he Sick Stadium. That's right. He brought um, the building that the R is currently on in uh, Soto and kind of leased the name through the San Francisco Rainier Brewery for a number of years hmm. until uh, sales were finally enough that he actually bought out the Rainier San Francisco building. Wow. So was the, the ownership was a group of, was it a, a board of people or some governors who uh, were the uh, co-owners of the, the brewery that went to San Francisco? Was it Washington owned at the time that went to San Francisco or did it change, change hands to become a California entity? No, pretty much uh, they just packed up and left because mm -hmm. they knew Prohibition was hitting and they couldn't sell any beer here. And yeah. It was kind of a time where they thought it would never hit, and yeah, interesting. Well, that's that changed a lot of uh, a lot of industry for. I mean, think about all the grain, right? All that grain was used for malting. Um, that then they had a surplus of grain, which probably affected you know right then at the at the crash too. Uh, grain, everything fell. The prices fell out, um, and then coming back from the war, of course, created new markets for everybody. And I always thought that you know the, the history of United. Brewing the United States was based on immigrants from Czechoslovakia, from Germany, from Belgium, et cetera, coming over and making the kind of beers that they were used to in their own villages. So that's why Schlitz and uh, what's it called Molson or uh, Miller and G. Heilman had those style of beers, it was my understanding. Yep. Um, but obviously, you know, when you're making beer, um, in the old days, beer was a very fortified beverage. It was the bread of life, so to speak, and it gave you calories and um, liquid because it, it was, you know, purifying water to some degree or sanitizing <laughs> or whatever you call it um but it's very interesting that we we have now come full circle where having some of those iconic beers are cool again i mean we've gone through this craft movement and we're going we're pushing it seems ibus to the to the stars uh, but that's like a one-way street with a dead end to me because you can know how much more hops can you appreciate how many more alpha acids can your your nose and your your senses really understand and comprehend and like, oh, oh, yeah, this is really different than the, you know, can you tell one bittering unit from another? <laughs> I mean, I wonder. Some people can, but not many. Well, we'll talk more. Hey, I got Kurt Stream, who's the field marketing manager for Rainer Brewery. Uh, we've got a big growler of beer here, too, so stick around, folks. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Putting America first and holding the powerful accountable. Sean Hannity, weekdays 6 to 9 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hope you're having a great Saturday night. Got something tasty in your glass. Perhaps a tall boy, a long neck, or some of that green death of Rainier. Uh, part of my <laughs> growing up in Seattle was learning about the different beers that came in short, stubby brown bottles. And one was Rainier, of course, and we had hams, and we had, uh, oh, uh, Rhinelander. Yeah, if we, if we were feeling really poor, <laughs> we were saving up all that paper bro paper route money uh, to go bootleg a case at Kmart, of all places. Um, Heidelberg, uh, Olympia. Uh, Heidelberg, that's the one I was thinking, Rhinelander, because Rhinelander was like, oh, God. 
but I got Kurt Stream here, who is a historian. He wrote a book called Brewing in Seattle. He's now the field marketing manager for Rainier Brewery. And we were chatting about um, you know the founding of Rainier, and I went down to California. Now it's back. And Emil, uh, Emil Sick was his name? or Correct, yep. Yeah, who uh, was the businessman who brought them back and founded Six Stadium, where the I believe the pilots played at the time, the Seattle Pilots, who went on to become the yeah, Milwaukee Brewers. Um a little more about Rainier. Uh, he bought that building, which was off uh, Airport Way, next to I five, of course, and um, put the R on there. Right? Was he the guy with the R? Did he put that on there? Yep. Yeah, back in the fifties. Yeah, when they originally put it up there. Interesting. And I remember driving by there as a as a kid and smelling. You could smell the beer. You could smell the 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 malt, the the wort, right? And it's like an aroma in the air, and it was kind of sweet, but it was also a little. Uh, grainy. It smelled like you know fresh grain. Um, I'm not a farmer, but that's what I remember. That's how I'm equating it to now. Perhaps it was bread. Uh, let's talk about. We have a shared story, and um, you know I've brought it up perhaps a few times on the show. But uh, Rainier Brewery, the CEO at the time, uh, had a huge impact on the world of wine here in the United States. Yeah. Um, at the time, uh, we've. 1960s? Yeah, it was the 60s. Early 60s. Early 60s. Um, Rainier was doing very well, and they were looking kind of to diversify their portfolio. Um, so they they looked to California, and they kind of, uh, you know, they, they, they thought maybe they should invest in a wine company. Um, so they ended up being a pretty big investor in the Mondavi wine company. Robert Mondavi. Yeah. Sure. They gave him like $20,000 to... Uh, Get get it going. Yeah, and they became. Uh, it kind of gave them enough capital to take it to the next level, and everyone knows the, the impact Mondavi had on the a wine company yeah. or wine industry. One of the godfathers of Napa Valley, and uh, how cool is that though? To, to think that you know, little sleepy Seattle, the rainy day hideaway, <laughs> had something to do with the multi-billion-dollar industry that is California. Because with, without Mondavi, of course, um, he really took it to the next level on the commercial scale. And um, when you think about the 60s, of course, that was the martini culture and the beer culture. Um, oh, I should also add that when I did some research on the Rainier Club back in the day, I found old menus, old beverage menus. And, of course, we had Olympia, Schlitz, and Rainier beer on the list, along with, of course, Chateau Margaux and uh, Moet Chandon and... I think like old crow bourbon and things like that. So um, certainly it, it had its place. I guess they would have to serve Rainier beer at their Rainier Club at the time. But we think about the seventies and the martini culture. Um, what what took place in beer back then? Was there consolidation at that point, or were, were it, it was still the the working man's America? You would come home and you'd show six pack, right? Isn't that when the, the term was kind of called uh, the yeah. coined? Yeah, I think uh, with technology, um, beer is able to travel better. And it was kind of the 70s and 80s were kind of the era of mass consolidation in the brewery industry. Um, I I forget the number, but uh, the number of craft breweries is over 5,000 now. And Mm -hmm. that just recently surpassed the number of breweries we had in the the 1800s. Oh, yeah. So by 1982, uh, there was, I think, probably a total of under 100 breweries in the United States. And that was just after a period of uh, just mass consolidation of companies buying other breweries and marketing throughout the country. Right. And it also kind of uh, coincided with the elevation of the NBA and the NFL at the time, right? The Miller Lite commercials came out and, hey, you know, tastes great, less filling, right? That was the 1980s thing. Yeah. Or was it maybe in 78? I think it started pretty pretty much in the early 80s when the light beer craze started. And right. 
and national advertising. Yeah, what was that first? I remember um, Budweiser had something like, it wasn't Bud Light, it was something different. It was like Bud Less. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds about right. (laughs) A little little less alcohol in it. Anyway, um, interesting. I know that Craft Brews has really uh, reinvigorated the um, segment, um, but there's also this little nod like, hey, you know, there's a Pabst. A lot of places have Pabst. I mean, if you go to some of these new cool restaurants, these chefs, it's a Rainier tall boy and a shot of whiskey, and it's a Paps tall boy. I mean, it's kind of that that same, you know, what, what's the word for it? it? It's part of our, you know, al- back alley identity. This is, you know, if you this is Seattle, we're drinking this. Sure. Although Paps is kind of universal. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, it's you know, Rainier's the beer my dad drank. You know, it's it's kind of that feeling of of nostalgic, yeah, peace of mind, and you know, I don't. Most dads probably didn't drink uh, double IPAs when they were. No, they had a Doppelbach. Or, or Doppelbach. That would yeah, have so. perhaps then. So, I mean, even me, like, I, I usually start with a few craft beers and then kind of downshift to Rainier. And I think that's even some of our best uh, customers do the same thing. Right on. Yeah, because you, you know what? Power fatigue. Uh, no, which you yeah. certainly want the flavor expression. And uh, you guys actually, ha- you know, let's talk about our day. Um, obviously, Rainier is looking to get back in the Seattle area. Uh, we had a partnership locally. And our day is what? Uh, our day marks the, it's kind of a celebration of marking, uh, putting the R back on the old brewery mm-hmm. um, back in uh, 2003. Uh, so each year since then, we've had kind of a celebration to market and uh, just, uh, yeah, kind of a community celebration of music and uh, Rainier beer. And this has taken place uh, typically down in the Georgetown area, uh, where some of the you've got the Georgetown Brewery. You have a partnership, is that right? You're doing something with Georgetown Brewery. Yeah, um, this year uh, we we partnered with Georgetown Brewing and kind of did a collaboration or a celebration beer, and it's called uh, Our Town. Uh, we kind of share the same. When we use the word R, we're talking about the letter R, the capital R, the, yes. the one you see on the Rainier Brewery, the uh, that R. Yeah, so the R is. Rainier R and the town is uh, Georgetown Town. Interesting, yeah. isn't? Didn't Pearl Jam do something about? There was an oh, our, the home shows. That's what I'm trying to think. <laughs> uh, it's interesting to see everyone come back and like, hey, celebrate Seattle. Even as we get more uh, populated and uh, diverse with people from obviously other areas and regions and countries to um, help fortify our, our tech needs and things like that. But we're really. Saving some of that identity um, starts with something that is iconic, like Rainier Brewery. So, our day uh, this last year, this two weeks ago, our day was the sixth annual. Yep, this is the sixth one we've had, and uh, we've last last uh, five were at the old brewery, and uh, for 160th anniversary, we thought we would 140th. Excuse me, 140th. Yeah, <laughs> we thought we would uh, partner uh, with the Georgetown Merchants Association and throw it right in the shadow of our original brewery down in uh, Georgetown. Right on. Uh, and so this last one, though, it took place at the Rainier Brewery, right? Yeah. Well, there's there's two actual Rainier Breweries, and it's kind of confusing for people. Uh, I see. So the one with a big R on top um, next to I-5 is the uh, where Rainier was brewed um, after Prohibition. And the one, that very big building that's kind of on the other side of the street from all the uh, activity in Georgetown, the his, uh, historic George, Georgetown is... Uh, where it was first brewed in eighteen right Seattle Brewing Company yes yeah. interesting um, this this partnership with Georgetown how does that work do they make a beer do you have uh, a special brewer come up and, and advise them what's the what's the secret is do they I mean because part of me there's a hot profile in this beer that reminds me 
of Rainier, but I don't know if that's even close. No, it's it's more of a, a celebration. Um, you know, Georgetown uh, started in the very same building as the original Seattle Brewing and Malting Company um, before they moved to their new place in Georgetown. So we we have a shared birthplace, and um, their owner Manny grew up on Rainier as well. So <laughs> vitamin uh, R. That's right. So yeah, we have uh, some similarities, and we both wanted to kind of celebrate. And what a perfect uh, pairing than Georgetown Brewing. Uh, I love it. Um, so what are the kind of activities that take place at our day? Uh, you say music, there's a food, is there a brat contest, is there a uh, keg stand kind of thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, it's mostly a, a community celebration, so it's a free event. Uh, we have three bands this year. We had uh, three great local bands. Um, yeah, I mean, th- it's kind of different this year because we were just right in the middle of all the bars and restaurants in Georgetown. So it was it was almost like a Rainier street party. That was pretty cool. Fun, and obviously Rainier was flowing. They had uh, the uh, cups and things. The old white cup with the red R, did you use those? Uh, we did, yeah. Well, I mean, now they're biodegradable and uh, oh, good. environmentally friendly. But... Is there a website we can find more information about Rainier Brewery or some of the activities that Rainier's coming out with or even some profiles on some of the expressions? Yeah, um, you can go to RainierBeer.com. Uh, we also have a pretty active Instagram and Facebook. Excellent. All right, so get your Instagram, take some pictures. Uh, this is our town, and this is our beer. And uh, Kurt Stream, uh, you wrote a book, Seattle Brewing. Um, is there a website for that? Or brewing in Seattle, right? That's what yeah, it's called. You can just uh if you're interested in it, um you can just get it on Amazon if you want. Just uh just uh Amazon brewing in Seattle and Got it. So fun. Well, thank you for sharing uh this delightful beer. This is called Our Town Beer. Yep, it's Our Town Red Ale. And so. it is available at Georgetown? Uh yeah, they should still have a little bit. It's, it's pretty limited, but sure. uh head on down to Celebration is still going everybody, yeah. so check it out. Hey, Kurt Stream, the field manager for market, uh, field marketing manager for Rainier Brewery and author of Brewing in Seattle. Thanks so much for joining me on Happy R Radio. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Hey, folks, uh, a toast to the R. Uh, we lift our glass with our beer in our town uh, to Rainier. Cheers. Tune it in and turn it up. Cruise home with Kirby. The Kirby Wilbur Show, live and local. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Somalier, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Uh, it's time for round three, and uh, how appropriate. We were talking about Green Death, that uh, famous Rainier Ale. Um, but I have Jake Udy, who is a local scribe. He's an author. He's written two books, uh, the second of which is called A Hundred Things to Do in Seattle Before You Die. A uh, hundred things. I mean, I guess it's the bucket list era, so we might as well jump into it. Uh, Jake Udy, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, what so a fun. Um, I, when I saw this come across my uh, screen, I said I had to know. Uh-huh. I mean, I've lived in Seattle since 73, so uh, and I probably plan to live for a few more years. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's talk about how you got into writing books. Yeah, you know, um, I moved to Seattle about 10, 11 years ago, um, and I came here with a lot of curiosity. I really from want, where? From Princeton, New Jersey. I have New Jersey. Ooh. The listeners can't see it, but I have a tattoo of New Jersey on my arm right oh, here. Oh, look, Joyce, what exit? Uh, <laughs> it, it was exit nine, I believe, which is the New Brunswick exit. The, Princeton didn't have its own exit, but I digress. Anyway, so I moved here about 10, 11 years ago. 
And I came here with a, a curiosity for the city uh, to start with with the art scene, with um, music and things like that. And then slowly I started to discover um, the beer scene and the restaurant scene and uh, and sort of by de facto uh, or sort of um, de facto figured out all these places that I wanted to hang out with, hang out at. So you wrote two books. The first is called Unique Eats and Eateries of Seattle. Yeah. Uh, when did you start this one? I started these last year, um, probably around this time, actually. I, um, Reedy Press, which is a press out of St. Louis, uh, contacted me and asked me if I would write the restaurant's book, Unique Eats and Eateries. And then about halfway through, there was a How warehouse. How did they find fire. you, though? Um, we were connected with a, a, a sort of a mutual friend, I suppose. Ah. She, they'd contacted her, and she, she sort of passed on the idea, and then she passed it on to me. Um, and then as I was writing the e- Unique Eats and Eateries book, uh, the the press had a warehouse fire, and every every book basically that they had published went up in flames. And oh, so no. so halfway through writing the unique eats and eateries book, they asked me to write the hundred things, and I said okay. So <laughs> my first book inventory. was first books. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, um, just to, to side uh, sidebar here, the unique eats and eateries book of Seattle. It's really a cool tome. You've got uh, uh, so many fun uh, yeah. destinations here. From Molly Moon's ice cream to uh, uh, Alibi June Room, June Bay. Well, you got to go. I mean, James Beard, come on. I know. And you, But you had him before that. Yep. Uh, Beechers, of course, Westward, Patty Pan, Lunchbox Laboratory, the Angry Beaver, Shorties, and yeah. 13 Coins. Yes. I, mean, I spent many, a many early, early morning uh, sobering uh-huh. <laughs> 13 Coins uh-huh. with the, uh, the, oh, yeah, that was so fun. I haven't been to the new one yet. I haven't been, I've walked by it leaving the, the train station there, but I haven't been into the new one. Well, we should yet. tag team them. You say, Let's you're go. an author, and I'm a radio guy. We're uh-huh. going to go down. We need to go Let's review go. this uh-huh. place. Let's, <laughs> yes, let's do it. Uh, so 100 Things in Seattle Before You Die. Yeah. Now, when you start this list, do you start with 200 things? Uh, when I started with this list, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I came up with a bunch of things to do and uh, talked about it with the with the publisher, and, and they sort of whittled the uh, list down a little bit. But the hardest part was the fashion, as you can as you can see. Again, the listeners can't see, but I'm not necessarily the most fashionable gent in the room. Well, but um, you've you've got, uh, got the, the Salvation Seattle. Army, yeah, absolutely. I think I've worn this shirt three days in a row. Um, but uh, so that was the hardest. But um, uh, the Pretty Parlor is one of my favorite places in Seattle, and so that fell into that one. But but sports and music and art and food, man, that's that's those are my wheelhouses. Oh, I like it. I've seen this. So interesting is number one the first thing to do, or number one the last thing to do, or it's just number one where to start. What I what I like about this book is that there may be no beginning or ending. Uh, that you could just sort of open it up and uh, and find something and then just sort of point at it, almost like throwing a dart at a map or something like that. And attempt downward dog on a paddleboard. So the Green Lake paddleboard <laughs> yoga, for example, okay. I just opened it up right now. Well, you got to say your specialty, of course, in the winter. Yeah, right, right, in the winter, right. <laughs> None of this, you know, July ninety degree stuff. You got to get, you know, really make something happen. Like you've you've done it, like you want to do it. Uh, all and, right, so let's talk about some of these. All right, eat after hours at Beth's Cafe. Of course, I don't know where to park though, because that's right there on the yeah. road. You can park. So. Yeah, probably better to Uber it because you're probably hammered probably, it anyway. Absolutely. Yep, just like thirteen uh, coins. Yeah. Oh, I like this, um, and I have done this before. One of my first great cocktail experiences was relax with an old-fashioned at zigzag Man, cafe old-fashioned how good are those yes well especially there you just yeah. like it just immersed in this this uh drenched with authenticity totally. and history and just this cocktail it's got just, that mad men vibe yeah. you know like well, you know, it's also got that little tipple like oh, let's just sneak in here it's, uh-huh. it's, it's hidden away it's right, a little right. speakeasy uh-huh. kind of thing yeah Really fun. Of course, you got some touristy things here, taking the city from the Space Needle. And uh-huh. I'm, Ever I, heard of it? 
uh, yes, I have. <laughs> I've been the up there a couple times. I'm excited to get back there with the new glass floor. Yeah, I just saw that Allison Chains played there. Almost like like when they they just released a record and, and the the uh, floor is see through now or something yeah. like that. I don't. I, yeah, I haven't been up there yet. Yeah, it's kind of an amazing. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, I'll pop a ball at San Michelle. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, see a concert out there. Of also. Course. Yeah, you got to do that. Let's see. Oh, I savor Oprah's favorite fried chicken. That's cute. Giselle. Giselle. Um, oh, West Seattle. Hey, that's my town. So, oh, yeah. Uh, Bakery Nouveau, of course. West Seattle's great. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Finally. Do Finally, pe- do you get that? It's I mean, people always think that it's sort of far away, but it's it's as far as Ballard is from the South End, for example, and easier to get to. Yeah, and th- you have the beach, you have all these great restaurants. You, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of musicians who live there's there. Brewing also. there. There's yeah. wineries there. I love that place. Uh, uh, distillery there yet? No, I don't think so. Uh, but yes, w- West Seattle rocks. Um, fall in love with all that. Wow, <laughs> the triple X. Uh huh. Have you been over there? I've been. We celebrated my sweet 16 birthday, my sister's sweet 16 birthday, uh-huh. in a limousine and triple cheeseburgers, whatever they were. They have great milkshakes. Oh, they got lots of good everything. Uh, eat lunch to a tune. Interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the summer concert series. I wrote these books mostly in the summer, so maybe that was on my mind. Um, but yeah, the, right by the steps and right downtown is awesome. It is awesome. Uh, let's see. Backwards skate at the Skate King. Is Skate King still around? The Skate King is not around. Uh, that was the one. That's like when I'm writing these books about restaurants and things to do. There's occasionally there was, there was the fear of something closing up. But sure. I, I'm hoping that people see that and they're like, oh, roller skating. I hadn't thought about that. And they just look up their closest place. Right. You see backwards skate at Skate King with a helmet. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't skate. So I used to go to Skate King and listen to rock and roll shows. Yeah. Yeah. And like Queensrÿke before they were yeah. big was there. And so was Alice and I mean, all yeah. those, not Alice and Chains, but I love that, that. That sort of aesthetic or that ethic of playing a rock show at a roller rink it's so cool yeah they had bands on both sides because uh-huh. oh man it was just a whole day uh oh hit the peak rei pinnacle uh-huh that's good yeah uh-huh. you gotta scale the mountain yeah man um what what else we got here uh bumper boats oh fun center talk well mm-hmm. really mm-hmm Hey, you got to take the kids someplace, man. Uh, Okay, what if you don't like kids? Well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ah, the Rat City Roller Girls. Now, uh, being a West Seattle guy, we love White Center. Yes, White Center's another place that's amazing that has a lot of really great stuff going on. They are very much more cosmopolitan or culturally diverse. We've got Vietnam, you've got Ethiopia, Uh you've got a lot of... This third world country stuff, which means great food. Great food. I was just going to say that. And isn't it? I mean, you're you're just doing. You're flipping through and just finding all these things. It's cool. Uh, so fun. Plunge into the sea. The Seattle Aquarium, of course. We got a great aquarium. A flyer kite. There's a good one. Uh huh. Gasworks. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got a drone now. Uh-huh. Everything oh, is like powered. It's like no. Play some Benjamin Franklin here. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. I hope I never own a drone. You, I remember making kites and boy and Cub Scouts. Yeah. yeah All right. You're Cub Scout. Some, All right. right uh, what you call it? Some trash bags uh-huh. in a hole or something. Uh, outside movie sounds good. Uh, of course, Seafair is great. Um, what would have, if you had written this book? What would have, what would something that you would have made sure to put on there? Oh well, uh, you probably got you know uh, eat something at Pike Place Market, right? Have some. Have a, a crab cocktail, yeah, yeah, place market. Yeah, sample all or, I love the like the boons down there. Uh, have you is the old the old curiosity shop in here? You got to go see. That's what that's what you you know. I yeah. left a couple pages blank at the at the end that you could uh, write your own oh, in there. See, okay. <laughs> um, what else would I do? Uh, I guess you'd have to take a um, 
a ferry ride, right? Uh-huh. Is that on here? I think I don't know if I don't th- see. That's another go. I don't. I didn't put the ride the ducks in there either. Right. Uh, well, those, those are dangerous. <laughs> that was a hundred one. Hundred things not to do in Seattle, maybe. Well, I just get some term life or something. Yeah, I'll be okay. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Did, now, who who helped you sort of uh, decide what really ranks uh, as a hundred? Do you have some help or? <sighs> No, I mean th- that's sort of what I was saying in the beginning that um I've I've tried to examine and look around in all the different neighborhoods um just just by living in Seattle just super curious of what it, the city has to offer because it's such a creative city like there's so many oh, people yeah. are, pe- everybody's got a hobby everybody's got a second job creating something in a band or as a pop-up restaurant or a barista or something like that so um I it's the list just came together almost by accident you know like I I just sat down day 1 and just wrote a bunch of things down and I think I just got 90 or 100 on that first day Oh wow! Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, you you did some great touring around. I yes. mean, you must have had, had great experiences because you life. can't pull these out of thin air unless you're looking at the Seattle Guide or yeah. s- at SeaTac. And I, so, um, along with these books, I do a lot of writing for like the Seattle Weekly or for KXP or for even the Stranger and uh, Seattle Times stuff like that. So, through the course of writing these stories, I've also like got, gotten accustomed and gotten to know. Uh, all this sort of hot spots. It's really fun. It says uh, you've uh, whose work has appeared in Washington Post, Seattle Times, Alaska Beyond Magazine, and The Stranger. Yes, uh, of course. Uh, you were with, uh, as a guest with uh, uh, Savage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're best friends. <laughs> Savage eats. Uh-huh. Uh, so this is really cool. Well, um, we're going to take a little break here in, in a moment, but I want you to think before we go to that break okay. and we come back. What might you add? No, now knowing. You know, went to some print like, oh shoot! And then someone told me this, and uh-huh. then uh, maybe I guess in the old days it was saltwater taffy. We had all That's that stuff uh-huh. um, going on. But hey, folks, I've got uh, author uh, Jake Udy, who is the author of Unique Eats and Eateries and a Hundred Things to Do in Seattle Before You Die. Stick around, don't die. Be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Two regular guys separated by 20 years and a full head of hair. Mark Lee and Van Camp. Weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570. KBI. KBI. Want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to our fourth and final segment. I've got author Jake Udy, who has written two cool books, Unique Eats and Eateries of Seattle. And, of course, 100 Things to Do in Seattle Before You Die. I see you got a bucket on the, the cover uh-huh. here. Makes sense. Uh, this is your second edition, it says. It's actually it's the second edition of the book. Uh, it's the first. Uh, it's my first edition, and uh, the, with the warehouse fire. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> they, as I was writing the unique eats and eaters, oh, they asked so if me you this. have an original copy, it could be a collector's. Yeah, right? uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. Fun. Well, looking um, at this, it's obviously it, it's food, it's activities, it's beverage, it's music, it's art, it's. Um, it's it's really actually slowing down just to like hit the art spots on first Thursdays. Mm-hmm. That's great. We seem too busy these days mm. in that things can be. We can find happiness on the internet. <laughs> of course, we Speak can. Speak for yourself. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> more and more, I'm sort of wondering what this internet experience is. Oh, uh, that's right. Proof. It's a yeah. barrage of information. Um, what might you add in the third edition? 
Well, in the third edition, uh, you, uh, we were talking off air, but uh, I like the idea that you said before about taking the ferries to different places and, and like whale watching or visiting the different neighborhoods around town, maybe for uh, a little weekend getaway. But uh, you also mentioned something that's uh, recently legal here in Seattle, which is something I'm very well versed in, and that's uh, the edibles and maybe even cannabis. The, yeah, there we go. You right. said it. Yep. Yeah, you got to do it before you die. Why yeah. not? It's natural. Um, you know, trust in God. Uh, <laughs> is the Chihuly glass blowing in here? Yes, yes, it uh, is. Very uh-huh. good. What might be your if if there was what would you save to the very end for like if a if a guest was I think you know Triple X I really love that place the root beer spot in Issaquah I know it's not in Seattle officially but that would be a place like if my family came out here from from the East Coast I, I would want to take them for the sort of wow factor and the kitsch and the classic car shows and milkshakes and giant burgers and stuff like that well also it, it has really fun and uh, <laughs> of course um you can't get enough american cheese out there mm-hmm. uh, get the celeb vibe on local movie sets now this is cool uh obviously you've got singles and mm-hmm. sleeps in seattle mm-hmm. singles was partially filled in west seattle and also down at chandler's crab house uh sleeps in seattle of course in lake union and around the town edda's i think it was mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. or no the dahlia lounge and and this part of singles was in capitol hill too in that apartment complex ah yeah. right yeah yeah um, but the fabulous Baker Boys, I don't see that written here. Oh, you tell me it? about that one. Oh, that's a great movie. That's got uh, the Bridge Brothers, Jeff, and uh, okay, um, and then Michelle Pfeiffer as uh, the singer. Heard of her? Oh, you got Yeah, that's a great movie. Okay. Because actually, it you see scenes from Seattle back in um, the late '80s. Okay. And you'll see the old uh, right as the powder keg was donut lit. shops on on Pike Place and the the, the tattoo parlors and the strip clubs. <laughs> I mean, Seattle was a logger town. I mean, yeah, Skid Row was coined here. The crapper was invented here. Wow. We got the underground city, of course. Yeah. Is the underground tour in here? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's good. And, and the haunted and, stuff. Yeah. Uh huh. Shut. Let's see what else we can do. Uh, <laughs> I would be curious if we have some um, some suggestions from our audience. Perhaps check me out at. at at happyhourradio.net yeah. uh, at happyhourradio you can do some Twitter stuff or check us out on Facebook we'd love some suggestions about perhaps the next book absolutely um, yeah if, if, we'll do, we'll in do case it next you're year. still alive <laughs> these are these are going okay so if, they, if we sell out of these you know the holiday season's coming up if we sell out of these then maybe we'll do a second edition oh, or a oh, third edition hey, hey you know actually this is really a good first date book man absolutely yeah really is let's go brush up on curling yeah how about that <laughs> every, every Olympics people go oh yeah yeah, curling. Curling. Why do they call it curling, though? Because um, they're used to people used to curl their hair while they. No, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, go dance, square dancing. All right. Little red uh, hand. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how much the world's greatest guitarist? Of course, uh-huh. is that EMP, and you got to go with J- Jimi Hendrix. Uh, yeah, and the statue in Capitol the statue Hill. Statue yep. and, and do some dancing up there, right uh-huh. on Capitol Hill. Uh, really fun. Uh, is there a website we can find more about you, or just keep in touch? Yeah, my, my name jakeudy.com, U I T T I. Uh, it's got a bunch of writing on there. Got uh, links to the books, and you can get the books at Third Place Books or Book Larder or Amazon or a bunch of places around town. Did you get teased as a kid? U T I. Uh, I got teased as a kid, but not for that. <laughs> that's a whole different other uh, well, My family's show. medical, so I, of course that's the first thing I see. Uh, well, Jake, hey, congratulations. Thanks, man. I think the, your unique eats in Seattle, um, I always love this because you got pictures of food. Absolutely. And you got the, the food that's what they're famous for is really, really fun. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate your time, and yeah. congratulations. Thanks, man. Thanks hey, that's Jake Udy, who's uh, written some fun books. Um, these are both great date books. See if you're dating someone, a new first date, or hundredth date because uh-huh. these are great ideas so check it out hey and uh this is october it's rocktober it's Oktoberfest. i uh, hope you're drinking some great beer we've got uh, i got a couple of sips left of this wonderful georgetown beer that the celebration mm. of Love rainier that. beer 
And, uh, of course, we've got Halloween coming up. I think Halloween's like on a Tuesday or something crazy like that. Mm. Uh, you have a costume, Jake? You know, I'm going down to New Orleans with my girlfriend for Halloween, and they take it pretty seriously. So we have to, we have yet to come wow. up with a costume, but we're gonna be, we're gonna. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully you get back. I at know. Least, at least you can say you've done this. I know, right? I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, if I die, then you know I've got the books already. All right. Hey, folks. Hope you enjoyed the show. We're talking about Rainier Brewery, and of course, this really fun book. If you ever miss a show, you can check us out on iTunes. It's at Happy Hour Radio Seattle. And, of course, uh, if you want to tweet us, it's at Happy Hour Radio and HappyHourRadio.net. Remember, folks, when you're out and about, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! <laughs>